following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Now, I will not be lengthy, and I don't say that jokingly today. I will not be lengthy. I really will not. But I I hope to preach something today that will give you a direction in your life. I will not preach this as a pastor that's losing his mind. Because sometimes when we preach about this particular subject, people just get away from everything and just go crazy. I don't go crazy. I sometimes maybe think people think I've gone crazy. But I don't go crazy. But I'm going to speak on three words today. Everybody say, come, come up, up here. here. Put it on the screen. Come up here. That's what I'm talking about today. Anybody back there listening? There you go. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> come, C-O-M-E is the universal word of Christ. Come unto me, all you that were in heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Peter, come to me. Come, come. It is a great, great word that Christ used. The spirit and the bride say in in Revelation, come. Jesus used that word as an invitation, an invitation into his presence. And then the second word, up. Anytime you see the word up, it means he wants to take you to a higher place. And then he says, not there, but here. And here has the word he in it. He is here. So he's saying, come up to where I am. Come on up. And I'm going to preach about that today from Revelation chapter 4. Keep standing. After this, I look. This is John on the Isle of Patmos. And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I first heard speaking to me was like a trumpet. It said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. And at once, I was in the spirit And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. (laughs) Hallelujah. He was still on Patmos. He didn't know who that was. And the one who sat there had an appearance of jasper and carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. That's praise because emerald is the the tribal stone of the tribe of Judah. That's praise around the throne. Surrounding the throne were 20 four other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. This represents the church, the apostles and the Old Testament church, the prophets. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. Revelation 1.19, write the things, John, which you have seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. I'm speaking today, come up here. Preach to me today, pastor. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to me today. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to me today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. And you may be seated. God bless. So John, the beloved now known as John the Revelator, is on the Isle of Patmos, a convict island, exiled there for preaching the gospel. But he has this revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible said, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Lord appears to him in chapter 1 
and tells him to write the things he has seen, what things he sees now, and the things which shall be hereafter. So John writes in chapter 1, that which he has seen. He said, I saw the Lord. And in chapter 2 and 3, he writes things which are. He writes about the seven churches of Asia and their beautiful studies. Then in chapter 4, he hears this voice saying, come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. This is the part I can't get over. This is what I call a God hook. A hook. Every message that is a great message that you'll remember always has a little hook in it. And it keeps you saying, wow, I liked when that sermon changed tenses and changed verbiage and went another direction. That's a hook. The Lord elevated John to the heavenlies from Isle of Patmos to heaven and had the God mind to put him right in the center, folks, of a worship service. What we've done here today, full crowd, thousands of thousands of people, four beasts. One had a face of a lion, one had a face of a calf, one had the face of a man, one had the face of an eagle. And then 24 elders sitting around about the throne. And a lamb that was a lion. And then when John saw him, it was a lamb on a throne. Full worship. The, the, the four beasts said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now, if I can be so bold today, and I welcome all that's watching on TV today. What kind of God is this? A God that is about to tell John all the terrible and horrific and tough things that are going to take place in this world. And show him in those chapters the rise of the Antichrist and the beast and the mark that the beast will bring us. And a false prophet and seven terrible vials and the harlot. And the terror that will befall man. But, 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 before he does all this to and through John, he has this audacity, this God mind to put John, here's a West Texas phrase, slap dab <laughs> in the middle of a worship service. Going full blast. All kinds of praise and all kinds of worship going on. Spirits and elders and voices and rainbows and jasper and sardine stone and crowns. Big time. Count meeting worship service in heaven. I call it a brouhaha. <laughs> a hullabaloo in heaven. In heaven. From Patmos to heaven. Just that quick. It's as if the Lord is saying to John. John, there's a lot of things about to happen in your future that you will not understand. A lot of things that you will see that will try to throw your faith and cause you to give up. Many of the things you will write, you will scratch your head about and say, what does this mean? And John, by the way, people still scratch their head and say, what does this mean? So as God, John, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to give you my very best, the best that I have to get you ready 
for the tomorrow chapters in your life. Welcome to a worship service where I, the Lord, am present. It's all right, go ahead. John, this is my best. Nothing that I have tops this. And God is saying in essence, I know who I am and I know what I can do for you. And also I know who you are and I know what you need. And nothing prepares you for the tomorrows in your life like a worship service with me right now. And I wrote in my notes, hallelujah. Maybe some of you are starting to understand why we have worship like we do on Sunday morning here at CLA. Why the band and the singer and the prayer warriors pray for people, asking God to do great and mighty and noble things for them. But I will declare to this congregation this morning, this church does not live in a heliocentric universe, nor do we live in a geocentric universe. This church exists in a theocentric universe. The Lord Almighty is the center of our world. Amen. Amen. Come on, he's the center of our joy. He's the center of our peace. He's the center of our fulfillment. He's the center, not the circumference, but the center of everything that we are or ever hope to be. Do you agree with that today? And on this, this day we honor the resurrection. No, it's not Easter, but it's Sunday. The beginning of our week, Sunday morning. The first day of our tomorrows, which is today. He invites you to his throne room for a worship service. The God we serve is a God that wants to get involved with your worship. Now, I want to tell you something about worship. Don't ever forget this. There's a difference between worship and praise. Praise is simply saying thank you for what he's done for you. Okay, he gave you a new car, the money to buy it or money to make the payments, whatever. And you say, thank you, Lord, for that. He did something to your family. Thank you, Lord, for that. He did something to your office and your job. Thank you, Lord, for that. That's praise. But worship had nothing to do with what he's done or what he's about to do. Worship is all about who he is. Amen. And the day that you can go from praise to worship, from just saying thank you, Lord, with the little golf clap, to saying hallelujah, for who you are. There's something that moves you to another level and another dimension in your life. And he's calling us today to a worship session with him right now. Amen. For who he is and what he's about. From the call to Adam in the garden, where are you, Adam? To the final call in Revelation, when the Lord through John says, the spirit and the bride says, come. Let him that hears come. If anyone is thirsty, come. And whosoever will, come. 
God has the audacity to say about himself. In fact, he let David, a man after his own heart, write it. He said, write this for all people, David. In my presence is fullness of joy. And at my right hand is pleasures forevermore. Say it about me, David. Say it about me. Say it about me, Pastor Rex. Say it about me. In his presence is still fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And at his right hand is pleasures forevermore when we worship him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's Jehovah Olam. He's the everlasting God. He's Jehovah Shalom. Shalom. He's our peace. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provision and my sight. He's Jehovah Shaddai, the all-sufficient and all-powerful one. He's Jehovah Signatu, Signatu, our righteousness. He's Jehovah Shama, which means he is right here, right now. He's Jehovah Elyon, which means the most high God. He's Jehovah Nissi, our banner. And he's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. <laughs> hey. Anybody, anybody want to get into that kind of worship set with him right now? Anybody want to sing with him right now? Anybody want to open your mouth and say, I worship you for who you are right now? All these that you have been to me, all these that you are to me, all these that you're going to be to me. Wow. Wow. Let me, let me further point, prove a point of getting into the presence of our Lord. And I want to do it with the Old Testament. There's two innate objects in the Old Testament that come under his presence. That came there to his presence. They got invited to a worship service with his presence, although they were innate and dead. The first is found in number 17. It's about a 300-year-old walking stick of Aaron and the tribe of Levi. It was brittle. It was old. Yet it was polished. It was used for balance and direction. And it was brought into the presence of the Ark of the Covenant one day and spent the night in the presence of the Lord. And in the morning, verse 8 of that chapter said it budded, this, this rod budded, brought forth buds, bloomed blossoms, and yielded almonds. And God let Moses walk out and show the people what had happened overnight to an old walking stick. But as he did, God said, Moses, take it back into my presence and let it stand as a token of my power. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. God wanted that rod to be budded for the rest of its days to show what can happen in one night in the presence of the Lord when you're dead. And I don't care how dead you are here today. There's a presence when you offer yourself into a worship set with him that he says, I can make you bloom. I can make you blossom. I can make you bud and I can bring full grown victory into your life in one day in my presence. The second innate object was manna, manna, manna. What is it? God allowed it to fall every morning in the Israelite camp. In Exodus 16, it said, they, and they gathered it every morning and every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. If it was not gathered by a particular time and the sun waxed hot, it melted. Yet God provided a way so that the manna never melted. When Moses placed it under the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, 
which represented the known presence of God to the Israelites, it never lost its power to feed and to feel. Two years later, they could open that ark and got that manna and eaten it and it'd still be good. It never lost its power. It never melted. So two of the three items under the lid of the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant that represented his presence were innate objects. The walking stick of Aaron that produced almonds and the pot of manna that refused to melt under the lid of mercy. Maybe God produced these two miracles just to show living beings. If I can do this <laughs> for dead innate objects, think about what I can do for you. Think about what I can do for you. That's why I'm saying today, oh, magnify the Lord with me. It's time for God to get big in your world. It's time for God not to be this big and your problem this big. It's time for God to be this big and your issue this big. Because God is bigger than anything in your life. He's bigger than anything you're going to face. And when you come into his presence, you can face anything in your tomorrows that you're looking at today. There's nothing like his presence. Let me state the obvious. This God I'm preaching about is worthy of all of our worship and praise today. There's never been a battle he couldn't win. Say amen. amen. Never been a burden he couldn't lift. Say amen. amen. Never a disease he could not heal. Never loneliness he couldn't comfort. Never a doubt he could not destroy. Never a problem he could not solve. Never a devil he could not conquer. Never been an evil habit he could not break. Never been a marriage that he couldn't mend. Never been a child that he couldn't restore to their parents. Never been a mountain that he couldn't move. Never been a river that he couldn't ford. And never been an evil spirit that he couldn't tame. Can I skip a little bit? Woo! I'm talking about a God that's saying, come up here and get into a worship set with me and watch what will happen in your life. There were, everyone in Revelation 4 and 5 worship service was involved. Everybody, everybody. There was no just onlookers because the work of the Spirit is in our lives in three stages. Number one, manifesting himself to us. Aren't you glad that God abides with us, but every now and then he manifests himself to us? There's a difference. Everybody say, thank you, Lord, for your manifestation to me. And then manifesting himself in us, in us. He comes in us. He works through us. That's the Holy Spirit. And then manifesting himself through us. Manifesting himself in us and then through us. The general population of the church, though, is satisfied to see a manifestation of God's power and not be involved in it. Yet God desires us to be a manifestation of his wonderful power. In John 12, there's a beautiful story about a woman named Mary who broke an alabaster box on the feet of Jesus and she worshiped him. Say the word worship. A lot of people that Jesus had helped were present that day in that room. The main man, Lazarus, had been raised from the dead. Can I ask, can I ask some of y'all, y'all bold enough to say, have any of y'all just been dead and God raised you up? I mean, the world had you so bound, had you so tied up, had you so boogered up, and you said, I can't get out of here. I can't get out of here. What am I going to do? I am dead. And God came along and said, get up, son, and you're up today. 
Oh, there's something powerful about that, God. Those old drugs in your body that just kept wearing you out, wearing you out. And you said, God, I just can't get over this. And God said, really? Won't you give me a try? And he just pulled you up out of it. God, I've been an alcoholic for a long time. Would you help me with this? Yeah, if you'll just come on up. Just come up here right now and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to take that taste out of your mouth right now. I'm going to taste that desire out of your heart right now. I'm going to give you something that you can't ever complain about again. I feel like preaching this today. And then there was Judas who was there, the treasurer of the disciples. And he was, according to history, Simon's son. And that was the Simon that Jesus had healed from leprosy. And 11 other disciples all brought a long way with the Lord. And a lot of people saw a manifestation that day, but Mary became the manifestation. We need more than spectators in church on Sunday morning. We need participators. When that praise and worship team who sung that mercy song today, so beautiful. I could, I, if, I, if I'd have been the rankest sinner in the house, I'd have been running to this front and said, sing to me. Jesus, what a song. Aren't you glad of his mercy? And here's the beautiful part of that mercy. Here's the wonderful part. It's new every morning. It ain't no, no, no recycled mercy. Well, let's give them last Thursday's mercy. No, no. It's new every morning. Hey, I was a bad boy last night, Pastor. Well, his mercy's new today. And you're in the house today. And he's saying, come on up here and be a part of what I want to do in your life. 1 Samuel chapter 22, David had 400 mighty men and they came to a cave called Adullam with him and all had been helped by the king because they all were in distress or in debt or discontent. Most of us are in the middle there, we're in debt <laughs> and it causes distress and discontent and all of them had a testimony. All of them had a testimony how David had touched their lives. But of the 400 that came, only 37 became chief among them known as the mighty men. And of that company, only three were the most mighty of all. So 363 saw and heard and felt the manifestation, but 37 became the manifestation. It would be a great blessing to this pastor to know that 37 people walked out of here today being the manifestation of what God wants to do in a worship set. Psalms chapter 24 said, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Verse 4, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully. God loves people, folks, that come up, that ascend into his presence. But there is another step, another realm, another level that's even greater. Psalms 91 and 1 says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Two words here, ascend and dwell, ascend and dwell. You know why Joshua was so powerful in the Bible? He lingered in the presence of the Lord. He stayed in the tabernacle, everybody else was gone. He lingered just so he could be around the glory of God and have that afterglow in his life. Some people want to ascend and not stay, climb the mountain of the Lord, then descend down to the world every week. But if a man chooses to dwell and not just ascend, but truly dwell in the secret place of the Most High, there's a promise for that man. He shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, 
And Lord, I need that because I'm bald-headed and the sun's mighty bright. I need the shadow of the Lord in my life. Come on, somebody, help me preach right now. You know I'm doing all right right now. I love what David said in Psalms 119. Seven times a day do I praise you because of your righteous judgment. Seven times. He took praise breaks. Psalms 119, he said, at midnight I will rise and give thanks to you. You know, some of you people get up and take midnight snacks. Bluebell, whatever. Oreo cookie, whatever. A Coca-Cola. Something to kind of tide you over till morning. Because you may have a test the next morning. You can't drink anything after midnight. So at 11.59, you're just guzzling it down. But David said, at midnight, I will rise and give thanks to the Lord. Why don't you let this worship thing be a part of your life all day long? Come on now. Psalm 55, he said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. And in Psalm 34, he said, oh, fooey about all that. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I promise you, if you'll come up here day after day after day after day, you're going to see your life improve so dramatically. You're going to see improvement because this thing called worship is the finest thing he can pull you into. It's the finest thing you can get a hold of. And I'm telling you, we need to be a part of this every Sunday morning. Clap your hands and say, I'm in here, Pastor. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. So John's worship service lasted a little while, took two chapters, four and five, for him to write about it. He just didn't ascend. He dwelt in the presence. The Lord probably had to tell him, you got to go back now and write what you're going to see. He was never the same, never the same. Now here's what I want to preach. He wrote 14 chapters after chapter five of grief and of woe and of trouble and of pain and of sorrow and of heartbreak and hurt. Yet, in chapter 19, he was still standing at the last of the book. Here's the point, folks. We know who wins in the end. I can preach about that, but here's what I want. I want you to be standing when this is all said and done. I want you to be accounted for. I want us to know that we had a savior that called us up one day and we got in his presence and we were never the same. Because I promise you, there are some things that's gonna come. They're already shaping, it's already happening. It's gonna be tough. It's going to be difficult. Oh, but pastor, I believe in a pre-trib. So do I. But I still believe we're going to see some persecution, not tribulation of God, but some persecution. And there's going to be some things come and you're going to need <laughs> what you've been feeling on Sunday morning at Christian life. He was set free to return to Ephesus from Patmos. He died an old man of natural causes. See, getting into one of the Lord's worship service is pretty special. It really is. I close today in Judges chapter 15. It's a beautiful story of a man that I like to preach about. He had a lot of problems, but his name was Samson. One of the best stories in the Old Testament. Here's a man needing a miracle. 
This is the part that is not preached about a lot. He's bound. He's headed to a Philistine prison. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And with that spirit of the Lord, God gave him a weapon to use for his defense. It was the jawbone of a, and I'm going to put my vernacular, a donkey. I'm not going to use the Bible word. A donkey. And with that anointing and with that weapon, he slew a thousand men. <laughs> I imagine some generals would like to have that kind of guy in their army. But I have preached to too many for all these years and seen this. Samson did it too. When the fight was over, he put down the weapon of his victory. He laid it down. And after a while, the Bible said he was sore athirst. And he called on the Lord and said, you have given me this great deliverance. And now I'm about to die for just a little bit of water. I just need a little water, just a little water. And this God, this God that we are worshiping today calls water to come out of the weapon of his anointing. And water flowed from a jawbone, yeah, without a filter. And he drank it and he was revived. So here, here's my final statement. I pray this church never puts down the weapon of our anointing, which is our invitation to a worship service with a God who can do anything. I would ask you to stay with me just a few more minutes. I know some people have to go because they have work, but please stay with me. I want to I close this right today. I want to close this right. One Friday, I went to a church that I pastored and I walked in broken, bitter, hurt, a little offended. And I went to the altar and I said, Lord, is this what preaching gets you? Do I have to go through this because I'm preaching the gospel? And the Lord invited me to come up here. And I began to walk around that little assembly that I was a pastor of and started worshiping God. And I walked out of that church that day a changed man, just like that. Because there's something about worshiping him and telling him how great he is and how awesome he is. It changes your whole perspective about this world and its beggarly elements and the bad stuff that's gonna come. It changes everything about this earth. Because it makes you feel like you're walking on air tennis shoes. And you're just walking softly, but you got a great big stick called the cross with you. And Jesus is for you. So our anointing, folks, comes from mornings like this. And that's why you need the house of God. You need to be in the fellowship of worship. And I'm not, I'm not putting people down that are watching online today. 
but there's something about the community of fellowship of worship together. There's something about it. It is our anointing. It is our, it's our call. It's our God factor. It's the thing that makes us say, you know, God is still with me. And I can walk through this week and I can come back Wednesday and I can come back next Sunday on Father's Day and still have my hands in the air. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I'm tired of my Patmos. I'm tired of my prison. I'm tired of things that are holding me captive. I want to come up to where he is. And I want to magnify him today. Would you stand all over the building? Our praise team's coming here. And we're going to have a little worship set right here, right now. So I want you to throw your hands in the air if you feel comfortable with it. If you don't, that's all right. If you want to put them here, that's fine. If you want to put them down here, that's fine. But I want you to lift your head and your heart to the sky. And I'm calling you to a worship set today. I'm calling you. This is our anointing. This is where the anointing touches the congregation. When you worship him in spirit and in truth, things change. So I'm going to bless you right now. And then we're going to do our own blessing of our own self. Dear Father, I bless this congregation right now. I thank you for them. And I love them. And you know that, God. And I'm so proud to get to preach to them today. And you know that, Lord. But I'm here to declare, Jesus, that these people in the next three minutes can absolutely be revolutionized by the presence that you have when we come into worship to you. So we're going to worship you here. We're going to lift our hands and we're going to worship you. So all over the building now, would you lift your hands and open your mouth and just start declaring not what you want or what you need, but how great he is. Come on. Start declaring how wonderful he is. This is worship now. Open your mouth wide. Come on. Listen, let me hear you. Come on. Let me hear you. There's a beautiful crowd here today. Don't worry about who's beside you. Start lifting your hands now and start declaring how wonderful, how great, how glorious this God is. Sing, kids. Sing now. Sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I live. I live. I live. Come on, worship him. Come on, worship him. Worship him. Let it happen. Let it happen. Come on up here. Come on. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on, let's go higher. Come on, let's go, let's go. Let's go into his presence. Let's go into his presence today. <laughs> ah, I live. I live. I live to worship you. Oh, hallelujah. I live to worship you. I live. Ah. There it is. Come on. He's inviting you. Come up here. Let's go higher. 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 Come on, edify him. Magnify him. Not your problem, but him.
<laughs> Come on now. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm calling you to worship. I'm calling this church to worship today. Hallelujah. 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 I'll close with this. My dad was 6'5 and weighed 240, 245. He was a man's man. And every now and then he'd come, put his big old arms around me and say, son, I love you. And I'd look up and I'd say, dad, you're the best. But I have a heavenly father that does that to me all the time. And when he tells us he loves us, we need to say, you know what? You're the best. There's none like you, Jesus. And I'm going to worship you all the days of my life. For who you are, not for what you've done, but for who you are. So I bless you in the name of the Lord. May his peace be upon you. May his grace flow with you all week. You received an anointing here today in your worship to him. Don't lay down the jawbone. Keep it in your hand. You'll have water to drink all week, all right? I love you very much. You can leave when you get ready. Go home slow, come back fast. Wednesday, amen. Old corn of Canaan, I love you. God bless us. Sing us out of here.